Today's sponsor is Vibration. Vibration provides designer hydration packs designed to make you look cool, keep your stuff safe, and stay hydrated at music festivals and events. Their holographic designs add to your festival ensemble. Make sure you get your pack using promo code BB Media Industries LLC to save 10% on your new pack on Vibration.com. Oh, and one more thing. Free shipping on orders over $75. Hashtag life's a party. Stay hydrated. Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your humble host, Brooke Brown, hence the BB. It is time for the regularly scheduled housekeeping for this podcast, uh, which would be to log on to Trending Topics with BB podcast.com. Subscribe there to any platform if you're not already subscribed. And if you are currently subscribed, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, feel free to leave a favorable rating or comment. It helps this podcast be found by other listeners. And if you're on Spotify, feel free to subscribe there. But I will warn you on Spotify, uh, only the most recent episodes of the last year have been uploaded there. Uh, Hopefully uh, there'll be some uh, updates that will be able to take this podcast to previous episodes. If not, feel free to log on to any other platform that this podcast can be found. And before I end this note, I want to thank you listeners and subscribers and everybody that has found this podcast in one way or another. I appreciate you more than you would probably believe I appreciate you. But thanks again for tuning into this podcast and being a supporter. Now, to introduce the guests for this particular episode, I want to reiterate my love for trans music. Thus, I have networks with other fellow Phoenix trans family members. He is one of them. He goes by a DJ name of Danny Steven, otherwise known as Danny McMahon. We talk about uh, how he got his DJ name and what that means to him, along with other uh, scene uh, in Phoenix-related topics as well as music production as a whole. So without further ado, I give you my chat with Danny Steven. All right, so thanks again for doing this. Um, but I like to, when I do my podcast, I like to start from like the beginning of like, before we get into music, kind of like how you got into music and what like your influences are. So I know we both love trance, but I kind of don't know really, like, the background and kind of how you got into trance. Okay, yeah, so, um, well, first off, thank you for having me, and, uh, if you guys don't know me, my name is Danny McMahon, um, my DJ name is Danny Steven, and I first got into electronic music when I was 16 years old, uh, I bought a little mixer that I'd plug into my computer, and I started DJing, and I really loved, like, electro, like, the hard bass lines, and, up until about 2012, that's all I really listened to was electro and just kind of harder EDM. And then um, one day my buddy showed me this duo called Heatbeat. And at the time they were producing music that was at like 130 BPM. So it was similar to electro, but it had a really emotional breakdown. And I had no idea that was trance. And I asked my buddy what it was, and he told me it was trance. And from then on, I just started listening to this genre called progressive trance and I just I've just loved it ever since um once I heard about heat beat I kind of looked more into it and then I heard about above and beyond I've definitely heard about them before but I never listened to them and 
I figured out that I was missing out for years and yeah, trance music is just awesome. There's so much emotion in it. But the the first genre I ever got into is electro and I just like how the newer trance is kind of a mix of both. Awesome. So to kinda like heat beat, yeah, I love heat beat as well. Um, so let's see. To kinda go on that, there's a lot of debate whether um, above and beyond is still trans or not, which I don't really agree with that debate. It's obviously above and beyond is to trans, but anyway. Um, so why progressive though? A lot of people are into, well, right now, in the last few years, it's been Psy, but mm -hmm. personally, people know that I'm not the biggest Psy fan. But um, why progressive? I love progressive trance, so. Yeah, progressive trance for me, just because I feel like the tempo of the music is right. It's not too fast and it's not too slow, so it's danceable music, it's groovable music, and I don't know, Electro, like I said, was my first love, and I heard those hard bass lines in the progressive trance, and it kind of reminded me of Electro, but there was a lot more emotion in the breakdowns, and that's when I said, this is the genre for me. I do like uplifting, and I do like side, and I do like all that trance, but I just feel like it's a little too fast for me, and sometimes it could get a little, little repetitive, but it still goes in very hard. But I'm pretty sure, you know, there's other people that will say the exact same thing about progressive trance. Because all the songs do, a lot of those songs do have the same arrangements and, you know, things happen at the same time. But I think it's just all the person's taste. Awesome. So, yeah, let's talk about your DJ name. And I know you have a couple of aliases you're releasing some tracks under, right? Yeah, so when I first started DJing, um, I went by McBoy. Because when I was in high school, well, my last name is McMahon, and when I was in high school, my brother was like the big football player on campus, and they're like, he's the McMahon, you're the McBoy. And I told myself, I was like, if I ever become famous, people will remember McBoy. And then um, I had the opportunity to go to music school back in 2015, and I was 23 years old, and I realized, like, all right, I'm not a boy anymore, so I should probably change my name. So I just changed it to Danny Steven, my first middle name. Um, I feel like it works and it's not taken. So yeah, I, I will produce, I will put out, I'm thinking about putting out a house track under McBoy just to kind of keep the name alive because I, I've went by that name my whole life. But my friends back home still call me McBoy. So I think you may see a couple McBoy tracks in the future, but they won't be trance. Okay, well that's cool. Mm -hmm. So So where is back home? Uh, I'm originally from L.A. Well, I'm from L.A. County, but I grew up in a city called Diamond Bar. It's a suburb about 20 miles outside of L.A. to the east. And, yeah, so home is pretty much Los Angeles. But I never really had an opportunity to do anything down here. All my opportunity has been in Arizona. I love it. Really? That's yeah. interesting. A lot of people go to L.A. thinking that they're going to, I don't know, Especially with the trans scene the way it is in LA right now, it seems like a lot of people are relocating. Well, that's one of the cities. So, as we're seeing it grow here in Phoenix, you just mentioned opportunity. What differs? Is it just maybe where life took you, or? I, you know, I think going to college here definitely helped me, you know, network and get to know people. But. Um, I, when I went to music school, I was living in Burbank for a year, so that's North Hollywood, so I kind of got to see what it was like down there, and I realized that it's a lot more saturated in L.A., 
there are a lot more producers, and yeah, the scene is way bigger, you know, the clubs are a lot bigger, more people at the shows of every genre, but it's just way too saturated, everybody's a producer down there, and down here in Arizona, I feel like the scene is, it's fresh, and it's just coming up to, you know, the apex of it, like it's, the scene's definitely growing down here, I'd the only difference that I could say is of between LA and Arizona is just I don't know there's a lot more people in LA so everything's way more crowded you know down here there's it's less saturated trance isn't as big which isn't the best but it's definitely on a come up like there's what 13 or 1300 people on the Phoenix trance fan page yeah I know it's been growing like crazy yeah and, and these events the you know they're, they're popping up and it more people are realizing what the music is and yeah going back to the question that I don't know the biggest difference is just a lot less saturated down here and before I came out to Arizona I had no idea what to expect and the scene here is it's crazy it's it's fun I've never been to a desert party before I came out here it's they don't have that in California it's completely different and I don't know I feel like people are a lot more about it down here and the scene is just more tight-knit yeah, there are clicks between certain genres, but at the end of the day, we're all down here trying to push electronic music. True. So, I mean, yeah, you mentioned the desert rave scene, which does exist to those that may not think. Um, I mean, that's kind of where it all started. Raves were the thing. Um, everybody has their definition of what a rave is now, though, with all the festivals. So going forward with the scene and, and kind of what you mentioned, um, like, how do you feel things are going right now with let's just kind of get into the like i know we have i mean we just mentioned i mean for those coming up this will probably be out after this weekend but this weekend we have darude cosmic gate coming to town and then we have some la well-known trans guys coming to town so it's like our first like friday saturday sunday mm-hmm. like trance is a big weekend that I think we've ever had. I mean, I do remember a couple years ago, uh, 4th of July, we had Armin play release, and the next day, Paul Oakenfold played release. And that same summer, Cosmic Gate was here, so that's like the last time I was at release was 2016. They had a bunch of trance people come to release, but then they really didn't sell as big as a lot of the others. Mm-hmm. So I think that last year, they didn't even bring anybody who was trance to release pool party. Um, and TS does not trans anymore, so that doesn't count. <laughs> so, um, I mean, are we still all about the music, or is it seeming to turn more cutthroat and business-like? Maybe it's just me because I, I feel like it, but... Well, I think the scene down here is awesome, but going along with the scene, you have one of the biggest universities, which is ASU, and I feel like a lot of the people that do, you know, go to the college and that go out and like to party... They want to hear music that they can rage to, you know, that they can party to. You know, I feel like a lot of these people, they, I'm sure they'd have fun at a Cosmic Eight show, but you wouldn't see them partying like they would if they if you, they saw, like, yeah, me too, you know, at Maya. That show would do a lot better, but hmm, I don't know. At the end of the day, music is business because, you know, there's, there's a lot of money in it. I feel like right behind movies and video games, music is right there. If not, it could be ahead of video games. So at the end of the day, it is business, but 
I think there's a lot of opportunity for different event companies out here to try different things like you know SLE they're bringing out a ton of chance right now and I used to intern for them uh, I was like I was interning in the talent department and they would tell me to get a roster of DJs that are available from, like through certain dates and I would give them a bunch of trance DJs and they would tell me they'd be like yeah you know these guys aren't going to sell you're going to have to find other artists and you know fast forward three years they're booking trance and it's pretty cool I wish more promoters would do that out here but I think in a year or two we're really going to see just a growth in trance and I think that's really going to be a thing like when I first heard progressive trance I said this is trance music this is crazy and I feel like once more ears here, all the different kinds of trance people will say that. They'll say, Well, this is this is trance, this is cool and you know, they'll fall into it. And I feel like once you do get a little older your your music taste kinda of develops a little more and I don't know, trance isn't rage music in college. I like to party, it was fun, you know, but I don't know, I feel like as I get older I enjoy trance more. I like the melodic breakdowns, you know, the cinematic sounds. Right. So I mean, that that proves the point, though, like, there's been an issue between just, like, the promoters on their disdain or just knowing that it may not have... Events that are bringing trans may not sell like other events will. But knowing that and, and going forward, do you think they will... Because a lot of the promoters right now have, like, in my opinion, they control certain venues. And to kind of go back from what we were talking about in L.A., I've been to L.A. and I've gone to Marcus Schultz Open the Closes twice at Avalon. And that Avalon's one of the biggest ones right now because they don't ever close. Mm-hmm. And, and cities like Montreal and New York and Miami and all these other cities have venues even if they don't sell alcohol past two or three, they stay open. They either. stay open, and we don't have that here. Everything closes usually by two. I mean, I mean, sets into two, and they like are kicking us out a mile all the time. Like, get out, get out, and it's like well, we're trying to get out, but mm-hmm. like, so do you think it's a combination of the promoters, the venues? I mean, because I, I believe this. They don't. Uh, what's been frustrating on my experience with trans here is it's not that there isn't people that like trans it's that they don't allow us to prove ourselves they haven't really allowed us to be like oh yeah we will show up but it's usually you know they it's just I don't know what are your your take on it because not to like badmouth my or anything but it's just hard you know, right when like sets usually get good is right when they're ending here, mm-hmm. as opposed to the experience that I the eleven hours I experienced with Marcus one year at, at Avalon. I mean, that is a journey of trance. Oh, I mean, yeah. so and I know he's not the only one, and I know like they just had <clears throat> a classics weekend there with Chicane and Four Strings mm-hmm. at Avalon. So, I mean, that it seems to me. I don't know. I, I understand LA's bigger, but. I also believe that people don't realize they like trance until they hear it. They don't know that they're listening to trance. Mm-hmm. So, because there's a big techno following, a big house following here, and they're very close. I mean, I like techno, I like house as well. Mm-hmm. So, what is your thought going forward? Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it does suck how they kick everybody out at 2 o'clock, like in L.A. Yeah, Avalon will stay open till like 7 in the morning sometimes, and that's that's insane, you know, coming from Arizona. I've only seen, like, one or two after-hours parties, after-hours party here. And I just feel like maybe they don't do it because down here, like, I, there's always bars that are getting shut down. Like, before Shady Park was Shady Park, it was Bad Mother Cluckers, and they were serving kids underage, and they had to shut the place down. And I think that I think they're a lot more strict down here. Like, I don't think they'll give venues chances if they caught underage drinking or, you know, drinking past 2 o'clock. I think they'll just lay the hammer down on the venue, and, you know, nobody really wants to risk that. Like, that would be terrible if Maya got shut down or, you know, the Monarch or the Van Buren. Those are, like, the venues we have down here. And uh, I just feel like they're a lot more strict, and I don't know. And the chance scene growing, like I said before, I think people really just need to, you know, give it a chance and listen to. Like I saw on the AZ Ray fan page, somebody was talking about bass heads and trance fans, and then this guy was going off, and he was like, "Yeah, well, trance is boring." I posted a Fatem track, and I was like, "Well, you know, you might want to listen to this song." And he listened to it, and he liked it, and I was like, "Well." believe it or not, this is trance music, and he's like, really? Like, this is, I didn't expect this, and when people do think of trance, I feel like they think of, you know, old school electronic music from the 90s, where there were warehouse raves, or some people would say, oh, you know, that's fairy music, but that's just people who haven't really listened to it, and I think once people give it more of a chance, which I think will happen, I think it'll grow, because they're bringing out tons of artists, you know? Right. And I don't know. I think people just have to give it a chance, and you know, I feel like it's chance is going to get force fed into people. Like chance at Shady Park, there's going to be people that go to Shady Park that go to Shady Park that will go to that show just because they like Shady Park, you know. And they'll they'll hear this music and they'll be like, "Oh man!" Like the pop up trance night at Shady Park was insane. That was so much fun. Oh, there. And I was not expecting that at all. No. Because it was last minute, and so. I I wasn't actually expected to show up, and then I I came, and then everybody and then like everybody's sets were on point. Um, but then I was surprised that like all it's like the people that were just walking by Shady Park that were down on Mill were like, hmm, that's different music. Mm-hmm. And it, I turned around at one point and it was like packed, and I was like, a minute ago it was not packed, and that was just the pop up night, and I don't, I I couldn't make Alex Morph, but. I heard everybody had a blast at Alex Morph, who was there, so... Yes, Alex Morph was very fun. Yeah, so, like, I just don't understand, is it the venue's just apprehensive to bring trance? I feel like a venue would rather have trance than maybe something a little bit more... People headbanging and breaking yeah. rails and stuff. Yeah, so that's why I'm, I'm almost confused as to why there's been such apprehensions by venues and promoters, regardless of the money and business side mm-hmm. why they haven't even tried to promote it till recently yeah I don't know when they had seven lines at the grand opening of Van Buren the place sold out and some people wouldn't really consider seven lines trance but you know I, I think he's pretty trance his music's a little different but I'd put him in the trance category and I, I think you know these promoters Maybe they should book a trance artist at the Monarch and, you know, give it a try. If any of that's not too big, 
but still a good size. Well, I've seen BT and I've seen some of the Agena artists at Monarch recently, but that's that's it. I mean, when people think of trans down here, they think, oh yeah, if it's Agena, it'll sell out. And I think that's why Seven Lines, because he has been releasing with Jason Ross. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people weren't really aware of who Seven Lines was until he started collaborating with Jason Ross recently. Yeah, and I... I definitely think there's like a there's definitely an Anjuna following down here I feel like you know if they booked Elon Elon Bluestone I know they booked him a couple of years ago and I, you know I, I don't know the business side of it but you know if they can pull him in a smaller venue I think he would sell the place out you know Elon Bluestone Janix Sunny Lax any of those guys on Anjuna I feel like would be a good sell a couple of the Armada guys you know David Gravel I think I think he can do pretty good um I think if Ben Nicky did well out here, there's tons of potential for Chance to just get big in the future. Because, I mean, Ben Nicky's a huge name around the world, but I feel like down here, a lot of people don't really know about him. He's definitely played a few times down here, and, you know, the Niles, it's been crazy, but that was, that was like an all-age show, you know, so there are a lot more people that were there, you know, 18-year-olds running around. Like, you want to see that at Maya. Right. But then it, it was a little more expensive to go to those shows, you know, those ones at the Nile, as opposed to the free show in Scottsdale. Yeah. But Scottsdale is just, it's an expensive place to like, to go out. And I don't really like the crowd in Scottsdale, but, you know, I'm hoping this, the scene grows and, you know, the, the right people are in the crowd at the time. I think that's a big deterrent, too. I'm not trying to be all negative, but... The overall consensus, and I've pulled a lot of the trans family, a lot of people are foregoing a lot of the recent Maya shows um, because it's Maya and the Scottsdale crowd. Not necessarily because it's Maya, but mm-hmm. if, if, if we could somehow make sure that it's majority Phoenix trans family and not just people out in Old Town, mm-hmm. that the sh- tends to be a lot more fun with what I think has happened is that it's just they they just let it's just that whole Scottsdale mindset and they don't they're not there for the music um I know I'm not I don't know these people personally but I mean when Marcus was here a few few months ago um not only was the short set an hour and a half after I've seen him so many times do extended sets or open and closes but the other part of it was that there were so many people there that A, had no clue who he was, mm-hmm. and B, the entire time they were distracting everybody else because they were taking selfies the whole time. Mm-hmm. Why? They could have done that at any other bar. Across, they could have done that across the street at El Jefe. They could have been at Hi-Fi. Why do they have to just come in Maya? They don't even know who's playing. I mean, you were opening, so like mm-hmm. we were there for you and, and Marcus, and then... It was just, I just felt like there was just a clash of crowds. And, and I've been to Maya so many times because I've lived here for so long that it just, I'm feeling the same way. It's like, not, it's just, when we go for the music, there's people that are just there to party. And that's why I think mm-hmm. there's an issue. Yeah, I think my being in Scottsdale is because there are, you know, other clubs in Scottsdale like the Mint and, um, What's what's that new one that you, it used to be cake? I think it's called Pretty Please. You know, there there are clubs in Scottsdale, but I feel like 
Maya is definitely the one that gives you kind of like that Vegas feel. And when people go out to clubs, they say like, oh, I want that, you know, I want that feel. And out here, there's, I feel like that's like one of the only clubs that are, that's like that. I feel like that has something to do with it. Um, and yeah, the, the crowd is a little different in Scottsdale. <laughs> when I was playing the Marcus Scholl show, some girl came up and asked me to play Make It Nasty. And when I told her no, she like, looked at me like I was the worst person in the world. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if I know that song. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, That's how far removed I am from, like, Top 40 or hip-hop and all that. I just don't listen to it anymore. Maybe 10 years ago I did a little bit, but I couldn't tell you what that even is. Yeah, it was definitely a weird request for a trance show. I mean, and that just tells you how different the crowd is. And like you said, there'll be people that'll be there for the club that aren't there for the show. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think... That's not so good, but at Shady Park, you know, when we have Trance at Shady Park and there are people that are there for the venue to discover Trance, you know, I, I think that's good. So I guess that kind of works both ways because at, at Shady, at the pop-up, you know, it, it seemed to work. But at my, it's definitely like a different crowd. You, you know, if you bump into someone in the crowd, they'll get all mad at you. Or if you actually step on somebody's shoe on the dance floor, they'll they'll freak out on you and... Man, you're in the club. <laughs> that reminds me of Paul Van Dyke. Were you at Paul Van Dyke? Yes, yeah, that was uh, that, that was cool, but that sucked how they had Tyler just 300 yards out there. Yeah. I couldn't even, I his, couldn't even see him. Well, he kept coming, running back and forth. Yeah. That, that sucked, but I was very impressed with how Tyler was taking laps. But, <laughs> but at the beginning of Paul Van Dyke's set, there was these guys in the back that like started a fight and it distracted Paul Van Dyke and he saw it and I'm just kind of like that type of behavior is not trans conducive to trans at all and that's another reason why I also feel like a lot of trans artists won't want to return is because they come here and then they see it's the one group of people that are causing trouble that there's going to catch their eye, not the rest of us that were there to see Paul. Mm -hmm. So, it was just, I just, I'm worried because even if promoters are like, hey, come to Scottsdale, they're more likely to say, no, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm worried about. Which, why I'm glad that we're, you know, having our bar smith nights and our, at, and trying to get more at Shady Park, but it's slow going, so... I mean, those those Bar Smith nights, those have grown like crazy, and I think that definitely helps. A lot of those people that are there for house music would would probably never go out of their way to listen to trance, you know, that they're walking up and down the stairs, and, you know, at the end of the night, they all end up downstairs, and they're all partying down there to the trance music, and that's a whole different crowd that you would never think would be at a trance show. They would never think they'd be at a trance show, but it just works because it's on that night, and, you know... Nights like that definitely help the scene grow. Like, they happen pretty often, but not too often. So, you know, like that guy posted on the Phoenix Chance family, and he said, hey, I didn't see an event for the first Friday, but is there going to be one? That that was cool to see. That means people like that. And, you know, Sean Watson fully supports it, and that's, that's awesome. I feel like that says a lot. You know, at the, at the last show, at the Matt Lane show, I was upstairs, and my buddy Cormac came up to me, and he was like, dude, He's like these these trans events on the first Friday. He's like these are the only events that we've ever had down there that actually filled downstairs up. He's like you guys are killing it down there, and that's awesome to hear. That means more people, you know, are liking it. And maybe 
trans fans that never really went out because there weren't trans, there weren't many trans shows. They're all coming out. We're all meeting each other, and it's just awesome. It's a good time, and it's cool to see that grow. And I feel like the whole the trans scene as a whole is going to grow the same way. It might take a little longer, you know. I've been saying that for like three years. Like you know, it's just a matter of time before it takes off. But I think within two years, it'll be it'll be big. So let's talk about. I know you you're into producing because we're sitting in your studio. <laughs> um, so we should get to that. I know we can talk about transmitting all day, but um, so I've heard some of your tracks and I I love them. So going, so let's talk about how you release under Danny Steven first, because I know you just posted a link in the group that was not. It's a different alias. So let's talk about that. Like going, I know you're you've had some releases, you know, some well known releases go mm-hmm. through. So how's all of that going? Because I I talked to. Alex and I've talked to some other people and everybody has their own process and their own mm-hmm. experience with it. So how how is it going? Like, um, you know, there, there's no complaints right now. I, I I wish more people did listen to my music because then I wouldn't have to release through labels. Um, but usually the process goes for me. I you know I, I try to finish a track in a month, and then I'll pitch it to different record labels. You know, it, you can just Google like or a record label so if you looked up Anjuna Beats um, if you looked up their demo submission it'll probably just be demos at Anjuna Beats and you just you I know Flashover was looking for some recently yeah yeah and see you send your music into these record labels and if they like it they'll get back to you and they'll tell you like hey you know we like your track but we think you need to change this part and send it back to us and we'll sign it some record labels will never get back to you and some people will get back to you. They'll be like, "We like your song, but we're gonna pass." And you know, I haven't seen. I got probably about ten tracks signed. I, for one song, I did get thirty dollars, but I haven't seen any royalty money or anything. I'm just doing it for because, the love of the game. Yeah, and and record like I I can't self release because I'll post a song and I'll get a hundred plays like over a span of a year, and I see people post songs and they'll get like three thousand plays in an hour. And I just don't have that. So I send my music to these record labels and, you know, they have their own followers that they promote too. So that's just a whole different demographic of people that wouldn't have heard my music if I self-released, self-released it. So right now I just send my music to record labels and the ones that pick it up, sometimes I get like three or four yeses and then I kind of pick who I want to send it to. And then I just let them handle all the promotion and they, they, they'll send it out to all the DJs so when the DJs play their radio shows they'll they'll hear your song and they'll they'll tell they'll tell the record label it's like yeah we like this song you know we're gonna play it in our next radio show and the record label will give you a full on feedback report and it'll have like 80 names like it'll be like above and beyond listened um, comment they'll be like no comment and it'll be like supported no and it'll tell you that for every DJ if they supported it or not, or some some artists won't support it, but they'll say, you know, this is this is a really cool song. And I don't know, I just produce, send it off to a label, and then I'm on to the next project. Um, right now, I just want to produce music that I can play in my sets that mesh well with the other songs. Like ideally, I want to play my song right after, say, like a Fatem song, and I don't want people to notice that like the difference in quality you know like I don't want people to be like oh this song like what is this this is way worse and I don't 
think I'm quite there yet. Um, a couple of my tracks are actually getting there, so I think I'm well on my way, but it's just a process, and I'm learning about it every day. You, you get built up and you get kicked down, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's all fun and you're learning. Right. So what do you think about this new project that Gareth Henry is doing, this tune where he's trying to incorporate a blockchain mentality to help royalties for artists. What is your thought about this new? I, I actually think that's a really cool concept. Um, my buddy Jordan, he was like one, one of my best friends from seventh grade. He was a, his duo partner for a while, so I got close to my buddy Jordan. He just got hired as the A&R there. And um, he, he, I've, I've heard a tune, but I didn't really know too much about it. And it actually sounds like a really cool concept. You know, it, it sounds like a way to get paid for your music like you're, you're supposed to. You know, and I don't know how the whole cryptocurrency thing's going to work out. But, you know, I think if enough producers are on board with this project, you know, I'm on board with the tune. I do still want to sign, you know, to the bigger record labels like Armada is still a huge dream of mine but you know Tune seems like a really good alternate like if you want to self-release and you want to make money off your music outside of trying to make money off of SoundCloud and streams on YouTube Tune seems like it's the way to go um, I feel like it'll be hard to get the consumers on board though you know people that like you have to buy credits to buy songs you know I, I don't think people are always going to want to buy that's how Beatport is now. Do you have to buy credits for Beatport? Well, not credits, but you have to buy the song on Beatport. Oh, there's yeah. There's millions of people doing Beatport all the time, which is... and you're, I don't know how that, the royalties go and all that is on that end, but, I mean, Beatport's... Other than the whole blockchain part of Tune, Beatport's been popular for all these years. Yeah, that's that's true. And that's the thing with Tune. I think once your track's on Tune, it, it can't go on Beatport. You can put it on you can put it on streaming websites, but you can't put it on Beatport because it's already on Tune. So I think that it's I think it's going to be you know if like I said if enough producers are on board, I think it's going to be in direct competition with Beatport. I definitely think a lot of the smaller independent labels will be shut down from Tune because people will say like, man, I can make a lot more money self-releasing through this new um, through this new project, but it is a lot more work. You know, usually if you sign a track to a record label, you, you kind of just sign it over and they take care of everything else. I feel like if you sign a track to Tune, like, you're going to have to take care of their promotion. You know, if you want DJs to play your music, you're going to have to find their promo email and send it out. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be double the time, but, you know, I think it could be a great great thing if producers get on board. Gareth Emery, he's seems like a very smart guy really really good businessman you know I, I think he knows what he's doing and I think he's going to do something great like I said if enough producers are on board and I think he'd have to figure out a different way for consumers just to buy individual songs because if I wanted to buy one song I wouldn't want to have to buy 20 credits you know to buy one song or like $20 worth of you know Bitcoin credit or cryptocurrency I, I wish he could just purchase one song at a time you know I think that would be helpful but curious to see how that turns out I, I think Gareth will have it under control and on along those routes I mean a lot of people are I guess I guess uh, I'm a little bit older so I've 
been around this music for a lot, and I've seen the ups and downs, I guess. But there was a while there where a lot of people were like, Gareth is not trans. He was, you know, the whole, like, trans left comeback thing, which, in my opinion, never happened because I never stopped listening to trans. Um, but going, I mean, knowing that he's released some really great tracks as of late that have been really good um, in the trancing, more vocal trance, euphoria kind of feel, um, when this kind of came out, I know Darude has a track on there now, and Gareth has released a new one. So, go. I, I don't. You mentioned a lot of smaller labels and independent labels. You think that's going to totally wipe out that? I mean, everybody's kind of cha- transitioning from the independent. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, everybody can release music. Yeah, that's true. There, you, like I said, people you can release it for free every yeah. day. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of the avenue you need to go to make money off of it or get some sort of help with promotion. I guess is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So, I, I mean, obviously, there's well-known. A lot of the labels that we've kind of mentioned are also under the umbrella of Black Hole. Mm-hmm. So, or there's Armada, which is Armin's empire mm-hmm. so going forward I mean is it gonna be easier is it gonna keep getting more and more crazy because it just seems like there's more and more interest nowadays for people wanting to create music and yeah it's I mean I, I don't think music production is gonna slow down they're gonna be a lot more like I'm sure there are kids you know that say I want to be a DJ when I get older. I want to be a music producer. You know, like when I was a kid, that was never something that crossed my mind. I never said like, oh, I want to make music, you know, but I think it's a lot more accessible to, you know, kids now. I see, you know, two-year-olds on iPads at restaurants sometimes, and I think that's insane. I can't even imagine what these kids will be doing if they're 15 years old and they, you know, they pick up music production. Like, those kids are going to be so tech-savvy and, know what to do you know and there are going to be a lot of things that'll make production easier you know like now we have a bunch of plugins that we didn't have five years ago that just cuts the production process in half you know it just makes everything easier and as time passes you know there's going to be better technology that comes out and kids are just going to be on it when they're younger and yeah i think the next generation of producers are going to be you're going to see a lot more martin garrick's you know, like kids come out, a lot more Maddions, like the kids that blow up when they're 14 years old, 15 years old. Well, it's funny because um, when Avicii blew up, I mean, I feel like, here's what, the, the whole thing of Avicii is really tragic because, yeah. because, when he he basically was so talented, he was able to get to not only get the respect of the electronic scene, but he was also able to cross over into other genres. Mm-hmm. I mean, he produced for Coldplay, yeah. he produced for Madonna, he produced for um, a lot of people, really, mm-hmm. um, and 
but people don't realize he was like 16 when he blew up. And then I haven't seen his documentary because they took it off Netflix, which right before he passed, which was weird. Because uh, I wanted to cause watch it, and I had already had it in my queue before he passed. It was really eerie when he passed. But after he passed, and I, I heard some Tiesto and Armin called in to the Sirius mm-hmm. station, and all the DJs were calling in to reflect, and both of them, well, Armin shared the same management, so they kind of knew each other, but Tiesto was like best friends, and he said he had like, had just had had dinner like a month prior to him passing, and he seemed like he was. Things were improving, and he had thought about making a surprise appearance and, and showing up at Ultra because mm-hmm. he had heard about the Swedish House Mafia getting back together, and that's what Tiesto explained. But the thing that strikes me about the whole story, other than maybe what he went through, is what the industry did to him. Because from what the clips of the <laughs> the clips of the documentary that I've seen that are on YouTube show how he was overworked and just it seemed like a lot of that could have been prevented. Is and it's just sad because I know he's not the only one suffering right now, considering how insane electronic music as a whole has gotten Mm -hmm. and how their their touring schedules are just not normal I mean even when you look at pop music and when like Maroon 5 and all these bands that go on tour they go on tour but then they take a shit ton off like Cole I went to Coldplay this last year they had they were on tour toured around the world for two years they're not coming back until 2021 Mm -hmm. and so they, you know, and I know Maroon Five will take time off, months off. Lady Gaga take some time oh, off yeah. to heal. So it's it's weird to me that in the electronic music, nobody really takes time off unless it's like the span of a week mm-hmm. or a couple weeks. But that's maybe. They talked about during the height of Avicii, he did almost like three hundred gigs one year. Like he oh, was yeah. on, he did a gig almost a night every year. Like. How did not somebody say hello? Like this is gonna burn someone out because when he when the announcement of him saying oh I'm not touring anymore shocked people, but it was like no. If you really looked at how crazy his rise was, it was mm-hmm. in the span of like three years. So, as I guess my question is, what do you think is conducive to the scene as a whole? I'm not even just talking trance music now. I'm talking everything in electronic music because it is totally different than the rest of the music industry oh yeah um oh. Oh, okay yeah <laughs> sorry um yeah I think like you said people being overworked um Avicii was definitely a pioneer and I think the production of EDM shows a lot less than say a Maroon 5 or like a Lady Gaga show where they have 20 background dancers there that, that, you know, they have to follow everybody, or they have to pay for everybody and put everybody up. And I think, you know, they DJs can perform more than Lady Gaga because of that reason. It's just, you know, the, the stage, production-wise, the stage might be the same, but as a whole, the production isn't as intense. There's not choreographed dances, you know. I'm sure, like, at Transmission, you'll see, like, 
girls on ropes and you'll see you know you'll see all that but that's not like choreographed for Avicii he doesn't have backup dancers following him around and all that and I, I think that you know that in itself lets people think that they can you know perform and produce that perform you know four nights a week and still be able to produce and release music and you know that that'll take a toll on anybody you know and I think mental health is something that people really need to keep an eye out for because you know a lot of people will tell you like yeah I'm good but deep down they're not and I think you know constantly being on the road jet lag definitely doesn't help being away from your friends and family and you know I I think that'll just take a toll after a while like all, all of us guys that have never toured that's our dream like we, we want to tour you know but when it comes down to it like man that's a hey, you gotta be mentally prepared for that you know my one of my best friends from back home Eddie uh, he follows Kid around so he's Kid's video guy and he's booked all the way up until 2019 every weekend and that that's insane and I, that definitely takes a toll if, you know you could be playing in New York one night fly across the world you know jet lagged you gotta play a show and it, it sounds cool but <laughs> that that sounds like it'll take a toll and after a while that would not be cool and I, I think people don't really realize that you know people that go to see these shows aren't thinking about these DJs you know their mental health they're not thinking what's going through their head you know after the fourth or fifth night in a row playing it's kind of like alright this is this is actually like a job you know what I mean and I feel like that'll just that'll just break someone down but I think you can prepare for that and slowly you know build up to that so you're strong enough mentally but that's not a problem I've gone through, you know, but that's a, that's a serious issue. There'll be a lot of DJs that, there are a lot of DJs that have, you know, mental issues that you would never even know about because when they're on stage, that's all you see. You see these guys performing, you know, you don't really see what goes on behind the scenes. And I think that should be a thing that, you know, should be taught to people. Any performer in general, mental health is huge and you got to be strong to be able to do all that. And, I don't know, there should be a class for that. If you're going to be a big producer and you're going to go on tour, they should put you through, you know, like a one-month class the days that you aren't DJing to really let you know what you're getting yourself into. Because, like I said, we, we all want to tour, but at the end of the day, that's that's hard work. And along those lines, what do you think about the difference between touring and producing? And DJing because um, it was, I mean, going back to Avicii, he just wanted to produce. He really didn't yeah. want to DJ. Mm -hmm. And then because he was so big, they said, "Well, you got to DJ." So he kind of learned yeah. as he went. And he was always nervous before a gig because he never thought he was prepared enough. So that's got to be way on somebody. But in the day and age that we are, it doesn't seem like. Unless there's somebody that... There's not too many of the OGs. When I'm talking about the OGs like Paul Okafull, Paul Van Dyke, Marcus, all of them, they started as DJs and producers. Ferry, all of them. There's some now that are, like, thrown in in different aspects, whether they want to tour or not. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the whole choosing what route 
do you think people are more going forward gonna be outspoken about it or they just want to be successful so they're just gonna say do whatever their management or record label wants them to yeah I mean at the end of the day it's uh I feel like you're not really gonna make money off your music unless you're in that top 10% if you don't tour you know what I mean these it's like Mark Sixma I don't think that guy's bringing in a ton of money off his records you know but he He's getting paid to play shows, and I think at the end of the day, you know, it's it's just like being an actor or anything. Like, you're not going to make money unless you're doing these big shows. Like, yeah, you know, people might know your music, but, you know, there's going to be no money coming in. And I don't know. I, I think if, if you won't... If you want to just produce, you should go the ghost producing route because there is money in that, you know... Dimitri Vegas and like Mike, they can hit you up and they'll they'll pay you forty thousand dollars. You know, if if they know who you are, they'll pay you so much money for you to make a song for them if they can play at festivals. You know that, like another Mammoth. You know the track Mammoth. They they'd pay good money to get another track like that. And I think if you don't want to produce, I mean, if you don't want to DJ, the ghost production route would be the way to go. But I mean, if you're a big time producer and your music's really catching some steam. I think performing and, you know, touring is kind of necessary to keep your career alive. You know, some people don't like that spotlight and they'd rather just make the music behind the scenes and have someone else's face on it, you know, but I I would like to DJ and, and tour, well, I would like to tour in the future, you know what I mean? I, like I know I said it, it would be rough, but I, I would like to do it because at the end of the day, like that's how you're going to get paid. You, you're spending, you know, 150 hours on a song, but nobody's actually like buying your music, and you're not really making money off it. If there's an opportunity for you to play your music live and make thousands, like that's the way to go to keep your career alive. But there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. Like some people like to drink before their shows, or you know, like can't be drinking every night before you go out and perform. You know that that'll take a toll on you physically. And who knows what it would do mentally, but yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like performing is a solid revenue stream. Right. So well, the thing that came up, in my opinion, is there's a lot of people that are against the whole ghost producing route in terms of the purity of the art form. Mm -hmm. Now, because it's become so popular and we all know it happens, but there's a lot of us, and I say us because I'm one of these people that I'm just kind of like, ghost, I, I understand how ghost producing has become a thing, but in my opinion, if you're well known and you've produced on your own in the past, why not keep producing? Mm -hmm. Now, there's some people that have become popular for as a DJ and they don't have any music too, so they need a ghost producer to whip up something or have a track that they can but what is your thoughts about that debate of ghost producing and how there's a lot of us that are the older crowd that are like we don't really like ghost producing and then there's some that are come through like well ghost producing is great as long as it's done right mm -hmm. whatever that means yeah I mean at the end of the day you know I I feel like if there's a DJ that just comes out and just throws a track that's just slamming people like will know that 
you know, this is a cool track, but I don't think that guy produced that. You know, I, I'm against that. You know, I'm against DJs that want to become famous that pay goes producers. Like, that's kind of weak. But on the flip side, being a producer, if that DJ hit me up and said, hey, you know, I'll pay you $1,000 to make a song for me, I'd say... I'd never made $1,000 off of music in my life. I, I would, you know, from a producer standpoint, I would ghost produce for somebody. But to see somebody that's ghost produced, you know, they just cut that corner. That's annoying to see. But it's tough to make, you know, money off your music. So I would, I would ghost produce for somebody. I don't like to see DJs that are ghost produced, you know, because people, people know that, dude, this guy didn't produce this song. You know, I don't know, it's... Like, I, I work hard in the studio to try to become that guy that's on stage, you know, and I'm just going to pay to buy a song. You know, but if, like I said, if somebody paid me, I would keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I would produce that song for them. But it would suck if that song blew up and you're just like, damn, that, you know, that was my song. But at the end of the day, you know, some of these some of these producers that are ghost producers at the top, they're just marketable people. You know, they're some guys up there just good-looking DJs, you know, that they they look like a DJ and they play their role. Like, Alex was telling me that Dash Berlin was three guys. And he said the guy DJing is... He's the guy that... Everybody look, knows. That looks like the DJ. He He's the face of the group, but he doesn't produce. And I had no idea. And, you know, that's when it kind of hit me. I was like, man, I would have never thought that, but that's completely true. Like, some people, some people are marketable some people have huge followings you know like I don't know I guess that works for some people um but yeah ghost producing <laughs> yeah I just it's interesting too because there tends to be more ghost producing or less depending on the subgenre though I mean there's obviously it happens in all forms of electronic music but you don't hear about it in trance as much. I mean, I know it happens, <clears throat> but as other genres. Uh, so, do you think it's just a different mentality? I mean, it, I don't know. Um, obviously, I like house and techno, but I'm not in it as much as I am into trance. But I'm also from the old school crowd that got into electronic music before we had some genres it mm -hmm. was in the late 90s when no, when we had not many radio stations or small radio stations where you were tuning in trying to find stuff online from because it was already big in Europe and around the world but it hadn't really hit in the United States yet mm -hmm. I'm from that crowd so do you think like, how's how's that changed how ghost producing has been received? I guess that was really what my question is. Because, like I said, I'm coming from the down with ghost producing because I come from, like, I, I remember before, a lot of people don't realize until recently really who Gabriel and Dresden are and before they just released their new album, which is amazing. But a lot of people don't realize that they produced under different names back in, the 90s and they were one of the few early people that got Armin involved and Armada and and then they had their own label and then they were producing for other people but it wasn't Ghost producing but they were producing I mean there's been that kind of track mm -hmm. 
But why do you think it's less accepted in certain subgenres and accepted in others? I guess that's really what my whole question was about. Um, well, I can't say I listen to too much house music, but I think house fans and trans fans are the most critical listeners. You know, people that go and listen to trap. Yeah, I feel like, you know, nothing against it. There's some really cool sounds in there, you know, that the good arrangement, music's there. But I feel like the crowd that goes there, they're not as critical. They want they want to party and have a good time. But you know, trance and house, like people are actually like they're not just headbanging in that music, they're they're dancing and I feel like the, those crowds are a lot, you know, more critical and I'm not trying to bash, you know, people that headbang. I would love to see people headbanging at my show, you know, but I just feel like it's a completely, like, different listening. Like, everybody's on their own levels. You know, some people like to go and rage, and some people just like to go and listen to good music and dance, and I think that's the majority of house and, I mean, house, trance and house. I just feel like the listeners are more critical, and I don't know. Yeah, completely different kind of, you know, demographic. Awesome. Like, wow. I just looked at the time, and it's about an hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> that went quickly. Um, so, I guess, what are your thoughts going forward overall? Um, I, I do you have you have a day job, right? Yes, a full time day job, <laughs> and it's not music, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm a I'm a manager at this uh, auto warehouse in Scottsdale. It's called Car Beyond, and they okay. sell just automotive accessories. Um, not the ideal job, but it supports the music, and right now that's what I need. So, do you think you're gonna transition, if you can, into DJing and music full time in the future, or just kind of see how it goes? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, to be able to support myself off of my music, that's you know, that's the end result. Touring would be cool, but if I could just support myself off my music and you know the local gigs, that that would be amazing and. You know, that's definitely, that's what I'm working towards, you know. I mean, it, it sucks having to come home from work and, you know, work another four hours on music when you're all tired. I mean, it doesn't suck working on music, but it's just not the ideal situation just being all tired after a full day's work, you know. So, yeah, you know, ideally, music is the end result. I just, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I guess I just got to, you know, bite the bull and trust the process. Awesome. Cool. So, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, tell the listeners, I mean, I know where you, but your social media, where they can find you, or if you have a website or SoundCloud, they should go check out. Yeah, if, <clears throat> if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram name is uh, Danny Steven, I believe, Music. My Twitter handle is uh, D Steven Music, and my SoundCloud is just Danny Steven. Same with the Facebook, Danny Steven. So, if you guys, you know, follow me on either of them, I would greatly appreciate that awesome well thanks for joining me i'm glad we were able to finally do this yeah no thank you very much for having me awesome yeah it's